If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast, and thank you for listening. I'm Dominic Swantoski, the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com. Tonight's topic is secrets and spot burning, and it's going to be a good one. But here we are. Kicking off season three of the podcast. It's exciting. I'm happy to be back with my full group of fishing buddies. And in this season, we're ready to talk about all things fly fishing for trout again. Season two was a tightly focused skills series of 10 episodes. And um, that was great. We'll do it again. Maybe in season four with another topic for a skills series. But those are loose plans and easily shifted. Yeah, I guess I've always kind of run things that way. I've learned not to stand in the way of something that's growing, which is easy to do if you have too many expectations or plans for things, I think. So the podcast, now entering season three, is installed as a permanent piece of Trout Pitten. Um, It's not going anywhere. Trout Pitten has become a multimedia company now. Along with the videos, this podcast, and over 800 articles, Trout Pitten has become something far bigger than I ever imagined. It's pretty amazing to be part of, really. And that's kind of how I feel, like I'm at the head of a ship, but just sort of watching where it's going to go next. I do work hard at creating things that will last. That's what I've done from the beginning, and now it pays my bills, feeds my kids, buys their baseball bats. (laughs) Creating, you know, that's the thing. That's the biggest reward in my life. Um, That's what fills me up the most. I remember watching some videos a while back and saying, what's the point here? I just didn't get the purpose of the video. But then I watched a photographer's vlog, and he said something that really resonated with me. We just want to create things. And if we can do that, create videos, articles, photos, podcasts, and then be paid for it, I mean, that's the dream of any artist or creator, right? Really, that's how Trout Bitten works. 
and I feel extremely fortunate that all of this is my career. And it works because of you, the listeners and readers, the fishermen who care about this stuff and find value in it. My buddy Mark pointed out that my business model is to create stuff, give it away for free, and hope that people support it. (laughs) That's true. And I get a ton of kind compliments, messages, and things where people ask how to give back to Troutbid. Well, the most important thing is to support the companies that support Troutbitten. That's how this works, right? They give me money to get their message out to you, their audience. You find value in that and buy their stuff. So please use the codes they generously provide. Whether it's 10% off or 20% off, using those checkout codes are really the only trackable means for the companies to see the effectiveness of their ads. And honestly, it's that ad revenue from some of the best companies in our industry that make this project viable. Thanks to everyone who makes a purchase, downloads, likes, subscribes, and leaves a comment. All of that adds up to keep this rolling. Really, even just dropping a quick message to these companies to say, thanks for supporting Troutbit. All of that goes a long way. It's a small industry, right? So the little things that we do matter a great deal. Thanks again to everyone involved. All right, let's kick off season three with secrets and spot burning. I'm joined this season by my friends Austin Dando, Trevor Smith, Josh Darling, Bill Dell, and now Matt Grobe. What's up, guys? Hey, how we doing? Hey, hey. hello. Mm-hmm. So, hey, first, let me mention that our buddy Bill is absent tonight. He's out at camp because he's guiding a lot this week. So someone else is going to have to take the role of being the oddball who disagrees with everything. And I'm thinking, Matt, you might be up for that job. <laughs> sure, I can do that. Well, I thought you could. Hey, all right, so this, all right, here's Matt Grobe, right? He's a longtime friend from way back when Troutpitten started. Um, Matt's a Western Pennsylvania native, now living in, is it Bozeman, dude? You living in Bozeman? I live in Bozeman, correct. All right, right. And, but we won't, we won't spot burn and tell everybody exactly what river you live right on. <laughs> there, which one? Don't, don't say like five. it. five. Yeah, I know. Right, but isn't one right in your backyard? I have a couple in my backyard, yeah, close by. But yeah, we won't spot burn those. No. And so, hey, you can listen to more of Matt's backstory and so, I think some pretty entertaining fishtails in, uh, oh, what was it, season one. I forget which episode, but it's titled Big Trout from Pennsylvania to Montana with Matt Grobe. So lots more about Matt in that one. And we won't have you tell us your whole life story in this one, all right? Better for everybody. Yeah. So, hey, Matt, um, being the new guy, we all thought that maybe should, there should be some hazing in order. <laughs> maybe for the next three or four episodes, we'll have you do something. But thinking this is fair. <laughs> that, uh, so in one of the episodes from season one, we all talked about uh, the dumbest things that we've ever done on the water. So what do you have? How dumb are you? Give us some. Oh, man. A couple come to mind, but I'll do one relevant to my time here both of them actually happened here i had two guys from pa come out this was probably i moved out here july 10th 2015 um started exploring waters my buddies come out in september and we're in you know i'm in exploring mode and i go into this remote uh meadow stream in grizzly country and Mm. you know they come out they don't have bear spray so i'm like all right, like we're all fumbling and getting our, we're all more excited about fishing than anything, but it's like, look out here, it's no joke. Like you need to be 
somewhat mindful yeah. that you're in grizzly country. So <laughs> somewhat I, I'm going through the bear spray thing with these guys, you know, where to attach it. Cause it's awkward. You know, if you, if you put it, you don't want to put it in your backpack, right? You actually need to get it if you need mm. to spray a bear. And yeah. so <laughs> the guys were asking me how much pressure to put on this oh, bear no. spray. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'll click, <laughs> I'll click off the safety oh. and I was just, you know, we'll just shoot it. Well, Dude, it, I was. Oh no! The spray can was faced to me, and I hit it, and it blasted the three of us with bear spray. No joke. <laughs> Fishing rods, everything. I we I sprayed my guests and myself with bear spray, and it was the most horrendous feeling any one of us have ever felt in our life. Like we were all like hands out, dude, dude, are you okay? <laughs> You know, all, all that kind of thing. And then the, so that was awful, right? Yeah. Oh, there's more. We ended up regaining our composure and okay. yeah. And my, uh, mono leader had yeah. remnants of bear spray on it for like five weeks. Like every time oh, I would like put my, put the leader in my mouth, I would get bear spray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't realize how often you put it in your mouth until you have bear spray. Mm-hmm. On it. Oh, and you realize point. how yeah, it's, often it's, you it's it's burning, man. It's like if you can imagine <laughs> a burning sensation in your eyes, or like if you got if you like got a little lime or something in your eyes, like it, it that it just feels like that in your mouth, you know, Ugh. in your nostrils, in your eyes. So Whew. it's a good it's a good deterrent for man eating bears. Yes, it is. So now you don't point it at yourself anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to think I came a long way since 2015 in, in grizzly country. That's how you learn. You do the dumb things. Yeah. I was that guy coming from the East Coast. Right. Rookie with bear spray. And so maybe next week, you know, you give us another dumb thing. Maybe right. maybe I every episode this season, <laughs> Matt has to give us something dumb that he's done on okay. the water. <laughs> All right, hey, let's uh, let's throw a couple questions in here that we've gotten from listeners. People seem to like this. And again, if you send them in, we might answer them. That's a trout bitten promise. <laughs> hey, uh, Trevor, you want to read this one? Yeah, I do. Hey, this question comes in from Matt, who lives in Austin, Texas. So he says, Dom, you talk a lot about being efficient, and that starts with knot tying. I've spent time trying to learn your three necessary knots, but I still struggle quite a bit. Any help you can offer is appreciated. Hmm. So my first thing is, are there trout in Austin, Texas? Anybody know that? Gosh, I don't know. The uh, Guadalupe is, uh, the Guadalupe River has some, but they're stocked. Oh, that's where that is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had don't they people. have a bass in Guadalupe? Like the Guadalupe bass? The Guadalupe bass, bass yeah. There listen, it is. Listen to you guys. I bet they have a castle yeah. mendom. We don't know about that stuff. They might. <laughs> See, we're spot burning all over the place already. <laughs> Listen to you guys. You're not airing this. I mean, come on. <laughs> all right. So uh, Matt from Austin is talking about, uh, I've written about, I say the barrier for entry to fly fishing stands at like two knots, the Davy knot and the double surgeons. And you could do a clinch knot and a double surgeons. But yeah, you need something to tie the fly on. I like a Davy. Sure. And you need something to tie two pieces of line together. And a double surgeons will handle that. So once those knots are learned, then four more will kind of round out the list. And I'll say a clinch knot, a blood knot, a uni knot. And I use a lot, an Orvis tippet knot for attaching two pieces of leader. Um, and I think that's probably what Matt is referring to. But mm-hmm. here are my two pieces of advice, my best tips for tying knots. And 
then I'd like to hear what you guys have to say. Here's my two things quickly. Um, first, understand what the holders and the workers are as far as your fingers go. With your fingers, your thumb, your index finger, and your middle finger are your workers. And then your pinky finger and your ring finger are the holders, and they hold the line while your worker fingers work on tying the knots. And that's especially important if you're tying two pieces of leader together. But it's also important even if you're just tying a clinch knot. Again, holders and workers concept. I think that came from Humphreys. For me, first, I think that's where I heard it first. My other tip, I guess, is to don't try to save material. Save time by using more material. You know, that's the important thing out there. Save time. Um, Save time by using bigger loops and more, you know, use six inches to tie a knot. And then you'll eventually learn, too, how to end up with just a little tag, no matter what knot you're using. What do you guys think? What do you have? I think it's hard to get around the fact that he just needs to spend more time practicing. I mean, yeah. when I was in residency, everybody had to learn how to tie to suture. And you knew you were going to be at some point standing in an operating room getting yelled at by an angry surgeon if you weren't good enough. And with that fear behind you, you would stay mm-hmm. up late practicing yeah. the nights before those rotations and you'd just tie knot after knot after knot after knot. And the most all-thumbs individuals learned proficiency just with that threat, you know? And so I think it all just comes down to putting enough reps through your, through your hands. Everybody can learn to tie knots. Right on. And then like with those reps, you're going to almost figure out that whole workers and, uh, and holders concept yourself and everything else that you need. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, when I was tying leaders for the trout pit and shop, um, tying a ton of, uh, blood knots. Right. (laughs) And, one, it got my speed up to par, but also I think everybody almost has their own style of how they tie the same mm, knot. Fair enough. And the more you tie the same knot, the more you recognize your own little tricks and twists that help you do it in the fastest way. Mm. So that's another thing that comes in. Good thinking. I also think that between different, like, you know, the whether it be the Davy knot and the double surgeons, the surgeons for me always, like when I was first learning them felt awkward and the Orvis tippet knot always felt really natural. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to try a few similar knots and just see if one of them naturally kind of fits with how you tie. And if it does, just double down on that and practice that and get good. It's more about getting good at the knots you do tie rather than tying the perfect knot. Don't underestimate your mouth. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I know people that will not use their mouth for anything on the water. Boy, I use it for everything. I store flies in my mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Store I mean, split it's a, shot in there. It's an awful yeah, habit, shot. right? It's an awful habit if you're a dentist. But if you're, mm-hmm. if you're efficient, <laughs> the mouth is like as efficient as you can get with snapping tip it off or aiding in support with the different mm-hmm. monofilament that's flying around. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the mouth with knots that's a good point <laughs> i didn't think of that that's nice do you, and you I, I always do you guys mo- uh, moisten your knot with your mouth yeah oh yeah oh yes yeah. yeah so that's i i think it it sets a better knot i'm weird i don't know if there's any scientific data behind that but i always like to <laughs> moisten the knot because i feel like it cinches smoother when i pull it tight i think i have heard there's something to that with the lubrication but also just the temperature of the knot because it slides better Ooh the tippet doesn't heat up as high. And so the fail point is higher. You see that, Matt, so you, you said don't get science thermal damage and, and Trevor jumped on. You see that? <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> great. That's great. <laughs> that's I mean, why he's backing here. me. 
Yes, <laughs> exactly. He's our expert for all things medical and scientific. And Pythagorean. Right. From, hey, now. That's, yes. <laughs> that's questionable. <laughs> questionable. That's questionable. <laughs> all right. Hey, let's do one more question. Austin, you want to read this one, bud? Sure. All right. So Peter J. through email asks, Hey, guys, my friend and I have a disagreement about something. What's the most difficult skill to learn in fly tying? Also, we'd love to hear more about tying flies. We like the advanced level approach to the podcast. It'd be cool to hear your group take that over to fly tying as well. Hmm. So what do we think? On fly tying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in as far as what's challenging for me and what's mm. always been challenging. But it's yeah. uh, being patient enough to measure the proper saddle or feather for the proper size hook. So when you're, you know, wrapping, mm. you know, a catskill tie dry fly or whatnot, I always have an mm. issue getting the correct tackle length. And when it gets to like 20s and you're sitting there picking through the saddle and trying to dial in that. And I, I even have a tool, right? But I'm so yeah. like, yeah. The gauge. I go so quick. I need to take a deep breath, slow down <laughs> and measure the hackle. So it actually fits the hook. So I don't have a weird dry fly flying down the Madison River that doesn't look natural. <laughs> They'd never eat it. No, they would eat it, but. <laughs> That's neat. I didn't think of that one. For me, uh, deer hair used to cause great anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Josh, go ahead. Well, yeah. As we got into more more night fishing, I started using deer Mm -hmm. hair a whole lot more than I ever used before. And I just Mm -hmm. learned very quickly that that is just not fun to work with. I I still dread the days. I'll 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 tie like eight or nine, you know, back half bodies. And then Mm -hmm. I'll just do all the deer hair in one in one go <laughs> for articulated streamers you're just like building up the back yeah. halves yeah well and all the way up even the front hook but not including the head mm, just right. because i don't i don't want to tie deer hair and it makes such a mess and you know never know like okay is this a would be better if i spun this it'd be better if i pinched this in it's a mess yeah i think it That's is the most call. difficult thing for me in in tying anybody else well then we have answered peter's question good job Hackle and deer hair are my same answers, so I don't have much to offer. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences, providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. Tactical Fly Fisher was started in 2015 by fly fishing team USA angler Devin Olson with a mission to bring American anglers the techniques and gear that dominate the international competitive fly fishing scene. While you may have no desire to compete, you can still benefit from the same strategies which competitive anglers use to make them more successful on the water. Whether you want to buy a urine-nymphing rod, a stillwater fly line, or just some hooks and beads to fill your fly box, we've got you covered and our teaching materials will help you learn how to use whatever products fill up your cart. Head on over to thetacticalflyfisher.com 
and use the code TFF10 to get 10% off flies, fly tying supplies, or terminal tackle. All right, guys, let's do it. Let's talk about secrets and spot burning. Where do you want to start? Do you think fishermen are a secretive bunch? Mm. They should be. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Not secretive enough. How yeah. long have they been in the game? There, that's, that, yeah. That's a good question. All good stuff there. Why should they be, Trevor? Yeah, that's fair. I think that there are things that are more important to be kept secret than others, but I do think that part of fishing and being a fly fisherman, even if you're going to fish with buddies, is allowing them their own exploration and experience of discovery. Mm. And something that I enjoy the most about fishing is is not being taken to a specific section of river, shown a hole, told where to stand, how to cast, put the fly tied on my leader. Like I want I, I want the experience of discovery myself. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a self-serving aspect to this where I, I want our secrets well kept to some extent, but those who earn them properly deserve to have a part in that, you know, and I think that it's some, one of the things I love about fishing. That's thoughtful. It really is. I like that. I think the rivers, there's like a reason that some of the rivers aren't well known in every okay. state, right? There's there's rivers that aren't well known and there's a reason for that. And I think there's no, we all have a handful of our rivers that are going to be Fly Fisherman Magazine rivers and, and on mm. YouTube videos and are written about in books. But there's a, you know, and I think there's a level of anglers that flock to those um, just because that's kind of what is known. Um, oh, but yeah. to Trevor's point, when you start, exploring and you find these these rivers that you know you didn't read about in a book or you found on your on your own and they're they fish very good right big fish numbers whatever there's a reason that they weren't easy to find out about and i think the angler angling community should respect that um no matter what state you're from and those places become like that because most anglers aren't willing to work for it and go and find those places. And so then you end up with these with these rivers and streams that, that have better fish. And that, I mean, there are lots of reasons for that, but that have better fish or more fish or, you know, in some areas where pressure matters a lot or less pressured. And a lot of that's because most fishermen that we deal with are the people who are looking at the magazines and the videos and the books. And I'd, I'd say that it's a, it's a small subset of fishermen who are looking for the things that aren't in the books and the videos and the magazines. I think that like the books and the magazines and stuff, I think that's where you start. I feel like sure. that's kind of where I started too, right? And when you're first starting out, you want to go to places where you know you're going to at least be fishing yeah. over trout. And right. so I know that I kind of went to the, the spots everybody talked about. Hell, when we went out to Montana, Dad and I fished. Uh, <laughs> are we gonna, am I going to spot burn right here? And we'll talk about that in a minute. Dad and I fished the Madison and the Gallup. Bastard. Ah, oh, I did it. <laughs> no, but really, Dad and I figured like, hey, we're going to go, you know, to the, these big blue ribbon trout streams that, every, you know, everybody talks about. We were very excited to fish them. And now if I lived there all the time, like you do, Matt, I would probably know a whole bunch more rivers, streams, uh, backcountry stuff, and I wouldn't tell anybody about those. Um, w- once you've fished it for, once you've fished for a while, then you're more willing to explore, I think. And I do the same thing around here. I found, mm. I found myself yeah. doing that. And so that's a point. It's not like, 
People don't want to be an explorer. First, they want to kind of explore the game of fly fishing and know that they can catch a few trout. And then they might be willing to almost waste a day exploring that river that not everybody talks about. Yeah, and that's why there's a barrier of entry to the to get mm-hmm. to that point where mm. where you're catching good yeah. or more fish. Dom, how many times do you think I fished the Madison last year? Uh, it sound I would have thought a lot, but you're gonna say few. Once. No kidding. Wow. Really. <laughs> Seventy-eight days yeah. out on the water, I fished yeah. it once. Wow, that is it. I mean, yeah, and mm. I know the waters that you're fishing. I mean, you you know, I we talk about it and. But boy, I I still would have thought you'd have fished the Madison more than that. Wow, that's amazing. Low water, we can get into that. No, I mean it was just a bad. Hmm. I mean we're we're in the midst, and I'm, we'll talk about it at some point in this season. But this drought out here is real. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Now, Matt, you had a similar experience of like learning though, right? Because when you first got there, you kind of I mean you used to fish the Madison quite a bit, correct? Right, good point. Compared to how much you do now, yeah, I yeah, mean, easy. So I mean that's you've grown really fast in that respect. Right. But to Dom, Dom hit it on, right? You come out here, you're not, not fishing yeah. the Madison. I mean, come it's on. It's like the starting <laughs> block, man, you know, right? Right. I mean, it's the Madison. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, and I still love, that's not to, you know, your angling career progresses and you're search, searching for a specific experience. Um, mm. You know, it just that past year didn't lead me to the, you know, the, that river. I mean, it's, it's just kind of the way it, it shaped. It's a good point. You said you're fishing for, you're searching for an experience. I mean, I'm sure like we all know that the Madison holds good fish and they hold some of the fish that you're looking for, those top tier fish that you're looking for, but you're, it's not just about, you know, for some people it is, but it's not just about the big fish. It's not just about mm-hmm. catching 50 fish in a day. Mm-hmm. It's, you're not always going to find that same experience on a river that's so well known. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I could run wild and vent about the the Madison, and I think if yeah. I had a sticker, I might the next sticker I might put on my forerunner is "COVID ruined the Madison River." Um, <laughs> is that right? Just in in yeah. general, yeah. But half joking, but not really. That that river's just gone through a some changes as we've all seen, and Dom, I'm sure you've seen from being in state college for as long as you've been. Mm-hmm. With just in time, right? Rivers change, and mm-hmm. we're in the peak, in my opinion, which may be a good thing, maybe a bad thing, with uh, angling in general and and people exploring yep. the sport and everybody getting outdoors, and it's just an interesting time right now, for sure. Now, I will say, you're talking about an experience, Josh. Like when Dad and I went out, we wanted the experience of fishing the Madison. You know, we wanted to do that. And yeah, there are different experiences at different levels. I shouldn't even say levels, just time, ah, whatever you're looking for, you know. It's kind of the same thing. We went out when it would have been my junior year of high school, and we went out and drove out west and fished every river along the way. And we floated the Madison. And Mm -hmm. it was all for that reason. It's just like, we've heard so much about this river. We have to go and experience it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people may end up looking for the same experience in some degree or another. You know, I lived out in Missoula for two summers in my college years, and I wanted every one of those experiences I could collect. And I hadn't fished enough during two summers to get out Mm -hmm. of wanting those. So maybe, yeah, there's so much of this sport comes into time, but, you know, that's not to be underestimated. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, Austin. I mean, because you you just hit it, right? I didn't think I was going to be out here for as long as I've been. This will be my seventh summer going Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. 
And it's, I don't want to say it's a yeah. content dom. I think you and I hit touch base on this a little bit on our, when we did our podcast, but it's just like, I feel content on that river. Like I, I've experienced it in all seasons yeah. and I, I've done, you know, I've had tremendous days. And then I've also seen the low water and the, and the bulk of the crowds kind of when you show up and it's, you know, the river's polluted with people. It's like, is it the you know same experience you had with your dad, Dom? I, I, I would say if you came back mm. out here and 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 thought you were going to have that same experience, that it's a lot busier than it than it was back then. Um, yeah, it, it's just that river's bustling right now with with uh, folks visiting it, and it hmm. needs a little break. So we're talking here a lot about uh, rivers and spots and you know places. What else are we secretive of? I mean, you guys, are you secretive of patterns? I mean, I know some of you are, right? Are you, are you secretive about tactics? I mean, a lot of fishermen are. The secret retrieve. No. Is there? <laughs> oh, no. Josh. That's Josh. the inside <laughs> joke. Retrieve, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's a night fishing thing between Josh and Trevor. There's a secret retrieve. That's right. Josh always tells me what works after the night's over. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, I'll that's say really I'm fishing helpful. this fly, and then end of the night I'll come. Oh, did I forget to mention I was fishing subsurface? Sorry, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Dom, I'd book a trip with you just to steal your. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not what you say. That's not what that's you not say. What you say at all. Come on, man. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> now it's leaked. Everybody's going to be speculating. What is the problem? Just messing with you. What's the special fly? I'm in charge of this. I'm cutting that out. That's right. Matt, are you secretive about patterns? Um, <laughs> you know. Yes, you are. This, it may sound selfish. Eventually, I can be open with the patterns I fish. But if I find a pattern, right, because I'm always in the mindset that every year you strike this new, for whatever reason, a blowtorch works this year, a woven works this year, the squirmy mm -hmm. works this year, and then the next yep. year it doesn't for some reason. I like to think that if I yep. have a pattern that's not mainstream for that particular season, that I'll absolutely, you know, yep. oh, what are you fishing? You know, bunion bug. Nice. Not really the bunion <laughs> bug. <but> you <laughs> and know what I'm talking about. Right. Size two? Is it size two? I hoard that fly. Size two. <laughs> Um, yeah. definitely hoard that fly for the, for that season. And, and then, you know, depending on what tier of a friend you are, you, you may or may not get let in. <laughs> There's a tier of friends. Definitely. I'm uh, I'm not very secretive about patterns anymore. There's really just one pattern that I'm kind of secretive about. Over time, I've become less secretive about flies, definitely less secretive about tactics. Obviously I write about tactics all the time. I love sharing that kind of stuff with people. You know, when I meet somebody and I find out they're a fisherman, I, I, I want to talk tactics. I want to learn what they know and I don't. And if they ask a question, I'm very, I'm almost always willing to just share whatever I can possibly know about tactics and usually all the flies. I don't really care. Yeah, I think similar, like all of my flies are so simple that none of them yeah. are like unknown to anyone else. So I don't care opening my fly box and showing everyone else what I'm using because they've probably got half of them in theirs too. Yeah. Uh, the thing I'm most secretive about is locations. I think that's obviously like the elephant in the room, maybe the, but not necessarily like rivers themselves, but you know, specific spots like this right. access in this bucket 
I caught this fish. No, we're not going to talk that deep. Right. What about, and Pat was good at this, Dom, but I mean, he would locate, Mm. and, and I'm a firm believer in winter fishing, especially that there's these like five by five mm-hmm. buckets within a hole, especially during winter, that you could that are mm-hmm. just stacked with fish. And a particular drift just could be the difference between fifty fish and fourteen fish. And you could easily miss that particular yeah. spot if someone didn't show it to you or if you didn't like really thoroughly work a winter hole. Are you, you know, do you watch someone fish it and struggle and say, ah, you know, if you move that drift uh, six feet and three feet upstream, you're going to just whack a bunch of wintering fish. Uh, do you do you go to those lengths <laughs> or do you hide those those winter secrets, as we used to call them the holes? <laughs> I like to let people discover that for themselves. So yep. I'm not going to necessarily come out and tell them that's, you know, that six feet is what's going to do it but I might suggest maybe a little further, you know? You mean if you're fishing with a friend, right? If I'm fishing with a friend, kind of like what Trevor said earlier, I kind of want to respect people, my friends, um, oh, exploration, his want for exploration, right? Yeah. But if I'm fishing with somebody and they ask, hey, what's the best spot in here? Or, hey, do you think I should fish that bank side? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've caught some really nice fish over there. Usually, I mean, once I'm fishing with somebody... I, I'm pretty open about stuff. You know, it's the secrets with strangers that I'm not so willing to share, mm. you know? Yeah. Especially spots. Yeah, that's a difference. So let's move into spot burning. I, I think the biggest secrets of all are our fishing spots, and that's kind of what we're getting to. These are the places we love and, 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 and we fish and we hold close because they're special to us. And I don't know anyone who says, oh, I hope the place that I'm fishing today has a dozen other anglers there or 30, Right. Like even the most social fishermen wants some space and some privacy and some peace out there. And honestly, I think that's part of what everyone is looking for when they pick up a rod and go fishing. And I, I kind of mean everyone. I don't know anybody, like I said, that really wants to be surrounded by a bunch of people. So giving up spots publicly or maybe even privately is what we call spot burning. Is that the definition of spot burning, guys? What do you think? Yeah, I think that. I think that hits it. I mean, I think the public spot burning is the stuff that really probably makes all of our skin crawl. But I suppose depending upon who... The public stuff, yeah. Yeah, the public stuff. And I think social media obviously is given platform to take spot burning to a whole new level. And and that's part of why we're talking about it. Yes. Um, So there's a difference between publicly and and sort of privately. If I'm in a group of, you you know, all of us, and then each one of you has a friend that came came along too, you know? And we start talking about places and, and a couple of these rivers come up. I get uncomfortable, you know, a couple of these, these special mm. spots to me. You know, I might not know your best friend there, Austin, you know, and or Josh, I might not know, you know, your uncle came. And I don't really want to tell your uncle about my, you know, one of my favorite spots. Uh, and even though we, we can say that's kind of private, but to me, that's still spot burning. We can be in the parking lot, you know, at lunch yeah. or some, something, and people want to start talking about it. Eh, I'm not going to spot burn this river, this spot that these guys are wanting information about because I don't know them. Um, but boy, the, the public stuff is really bad. I, don't, I think people don't understand the reach that it has when you put something on Instagram or especially on YouTube. 
you know, it's it can really, really change things. I Have you guys ever had this experience? I have spot burned unintentionally just by my phone knowing my location all the time. Yeah, so, you got to be careful of that. Yeah. Th- this has gotten ridiculous. Like, So a couple of years ago, uh, do you, any of you use Snapchat? Sure, Josh. Okay, so awesome. So, so Snapchat has a has a it's it's what we young people do. It's it's got a location feature on it where you can see mm. where your other friends are. I was I was fishing one day a couple of years ago, and I it was a good day. I caught a fish that I thought was worthy of sending a picture to a couple people. So I took a picture with my phone, like on the release, <laughs> and I sent it. Austin, I'm sure I sent it to you. I sent it to a couple other people, and uh, and one guy responded with, "Hey, that's a that's a good fish for that stream." I'm gonna have to check that spot out. And I was like, "Wait, what? What are you talking yeah. about?" Oh, that's the worst. And I, I fished for a couple more hours, thinking about it. Like, how did he know? I showed mm. nothing in that, in that little film. And uh, I asked him later. I sent him another message, and he was like, "Oh, your your location was on," and so I could see where mm-hmm. you were at exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. it's been off since then. Yeah. 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 Good. Yep. That's uh, that's Definitely. a good point. I've done that to my friends. They'll send me a picture if you save it, and uh, you can tell where they were. Make fun of them for it. <laughs> there you go. Turn it off. <laughs> I know I personally have had experiences where I've spot burned a place dear to me and then kind of felt the repercussions the following year and then the year after that. And it and it kind of makes made me yeah. sick to my stomach as far as blowing up a spot. Was this publicly or privately? It was public. I mean, it was all before Instagram, you know, before Facebook got mainstream, this was a a blog that I I still write occasionally, but it was just used it as a personal diary almost to log too much information Mm -hmm. and didn't realize who Mm -hmm. was looking at it. And then before you know it, Mm -hmm. you know, there's people that, you know, knew me when I was fishing in that area. And I was like, what, you know, of course, I know why, because there's bit you know there was big fish, and that that alone, right? We're talking spot burning. I mean, yeah. how often are are we really just talking about spot burning big fish, or do we are we really spot burning all types of streams and all types of fish? What's the right? What does everybody think on that? That's a good question. I mean, it, yeah. when when we were saying the Madison River earlier, were we spot burning? Nobody wants to answer it. <laughs> that's yeah. That's, well, that's what's different between here and there. Well, that's what I was just gonna say. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah. We were listening to music and talking with someone about this a couple of weeks ago, just about how how different it can be with rivers of that size, where you've got hundreds. Well, I'm, I might be showing my ignorance here, but hundreds of miles of stuff versus versus you know a fifty mile stretch of stream if at that. the most. Yeah. If that yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah. Like we're saying the Madison, but I am not gonna say well any of our central PA streams. And I don't care that lots of people here could name, you know, many of our central PA streams because that's not really the point. I'm, I'm not going to say them. It, it is, is that because I live here and I'm more protective of these streams and all of a sudden I'm disrespectful and I keep saying the Madison River out loud? Am I actually still spot burning? Like, I don't want somebody to say one of our central PA streams right now. I think some of the, the con- I mean we've used this term before, but like conversations are always more nuanced than people give them credit. Right. And it matters who you are when you're saying that stream name. And so as, as a guide in central Pennsylvania, you throw out a stream name and that has a lot Mm -hmm. more weight to it than say somebody who fishes once or twice a year, you know, for us here in 
Pennsylvania to throw out the name of a stream out west unless we are out there fishing routinely and mm. you know putting in 50 days a year like like Grobe is I think it it just carries less weight to it in some regards I think then you know so I don't think it's necessarily as simple as like it is or isn't spot burning but the degree of spot burning is certainly different hmm. right there is it matters too and Matt you brought this up you know if I make a YouTube video and I say the biggest trout I ever caught on you know Laurel Run or I just say fishing Laurel Run is my title that's two different things I mean, one's pretty bad spot mm-hmm. burning mm-hmm. you know the first one is pretty bad especially if it's a small stream like Laurel Run. And I'm, I'm saying Laurel Run because there's like, what, probably a hundred of them in the United States. Yeah. If I'm trying to brag about a big fish, all of a sudden that's going to draw a lot more attention. Like what you're saying, Trevor, mm-hmm. nuances. Well, and it's regional, Dom, like you said. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. How, many, how, bit, how many of us have gone out to Montana and like you're not thinking, oh, I'm going to hashtag the Madison River and w- wonder – about spot burning that place, right? Am I out of line by saying that? I don't know. Like going back, I lived in Montana. I lived in North Carolina. I fished a lot in Virginia when I was there. And now I'm back in Pennsylvania. But even when I'm back in Pennsylvania, I still, something down deep inside me, doesn't want to talk about the streams I fished in Virginia or those Hmm. little known streams out in Montana. I still don't like to do it. Yeah. um, Because... Those places are near and dear to me, whether I discovered them myself or I discovered an experience for myself. It's still something that I like to protect. That's fair. Yeah. I think that's what like really gets us our blood boiling when we see this, the social media public spot burning is that there are certain people that will do anything they can to get more clicks and views. And and it almost always includes putting like you said Dom putting like caught the biggest fish or big brown trout in and then whatever mm. name of the stream and it's just it's the cheap dime store like base level entertainment value and yet it's throwing out something that should be sacred and protected and cared for and and it just makes us so upset because it's almost like there's no respect for not only for other fishermen but for the stream itself and at work for yourself, like my goodness, take yourself more seriously, and uh, huh. and respect respect the process. Nice, that's perfect, Trevor. Precision Fly and Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure. Maybe this is the most important thing. Uh... Matt, you you said earlier, what, actually, your first response was like, well, how long have you been in the game? You know, I said, you know, should we or should we be secretive? And you're like, well, how long have you been fishing? You know, it, that kind of shows the longer you've been fishing, the more spots like you're talking about Austin, so many different states and places that you've lived, the more of these places mm-hmm. that are sort of sacred to you, the more anglers that you meet, the more you realize how special these these places are, not even just to you, but to the other guy that you met on the stream the other day. And 
Yeah, and so like Trevor's saying, it matters just to have respect for other mm-hmm. people. And that's what it always comes down to for me is having that respect for other people's secrets. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's the most important yeah. thing. I might not care about Laurel Run so much. You know, oh, I just, you know, I fished that, that, that Laurel Run a couple times. It's a nice stream, whatever. But I'm not going to spot burn Laurel Run. Even though it's not my favorite, it's somebody else's sweetheart spot. And that matters. Mm. To me, that's what it is. But you don't necessarily know that when you first start out. And that's why I will say, too, I try not to get really frustrated or too angry with anybody who I see spot burning. Because so often, too, well, heck, Matt, you were saying you feel like you put too much information out there early on. You didn't realize it, you know? And I feel like even when Troutbitten first started, I probably put a little bit too much information out there, not tactics stuff, but but location stuff. I was a little too, I wasn't discreet enough um, about my locations. So hmm. now I'm more careful about stuff like that. And the point is that I've learned that over time. Matt, you've learned that. And Austin, you're saying like, you understand because you've been around and it's every place is special to somebody. Yeah. So you try to have that respect for everybody. It's funny to think too, you raise a good point. Uh, it's special to somebody else. You guys ever think like, yeah, the stream that you discovered today, you know, there's this brand new exploration, this brand new thing is the same stream that some guy's been fishing for the last 10 years. Yeah, that is cool. And yeah, there's just, there's mutual respect that has to be paid. Yeah. You can go around the next bend of this river that you're exploring and you, and it seems like nobody's ever been there and it feels like it's all yours. Right. But we have to be real and, and and understand that, oh, plenty of people consider it, you know, their favorite spot. And they're probably disappointed to see mm-hmm. your truck parked in the parking lot, you know? Right. Yeah. And and along with this, we also see the response, you know, if somebody posts something, let's say on YouTube, of fishing X Creek. Yeah. And, and you know, they, they have an hour-long video of them fishing, showing you where they parked, where they walked in. Ah, yeah. And, and you know, maybe it's really well-known. And the Maybe they're catching is, really well, big fish, too, you know? Yeah, maybe if they're lucky. You never know. Those YouTubers. <laughs> Those YouTubers. Yeah, I might take that part out. <laughs> but, you know, the general response to a video like that from uh, maybe the creator or a watcher is, well, everybody knows about that. It's in, it's yeah. in a million books. Everybody. Uh, everybody's been fishing it since... Uh, you know, their grandfather and the father before them. And it's, 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 you know, it's not going to be uh, overrun just by my one little YouTube video mm. because mm. they believe that reach isn't that far past them. Mm-hmm. But it is far. Oh, that's, yeah. That's right. I've got, we've gotten that exact response from people. And I think we've yes. all messaged people before very politely just saying, hey, would <laughs> right. you guys mind maybe not including this? This is important to some of us. Like, would you mind yes. not including the name of the stream in this video or in yes. future videos? Yeah. And then they'll respond, well, well, you know, this is, this. everybody knows about this. This isn't that big of a deal. Everybody knows that river. Yeah. yeah and Josh, it, go ahead. You're basically giving everyone tools mm-hmm. uh, to combat what they're doing. So did we speak of like pictures, right? Because in my opinion, pictures are the number one Spot burn. The offender. In my yeah. opinion. Pictures, like, uh, videos are the number one. It's the videos, yeah. pictures, but like with that railroad track. Yeah, sure. Some mm-hmm. like really these landmarks. And like I haven't gone through it kind of through the years, developed my own. Like I'm going to zoom in on my pictures to where it's focusing on the fish. And you don't know, like you can't really make out anything. 
in some of my pictures, right? Yeah. That was my personal way right. of trying to eliminate myself spot burning my own <laughs> hmm. places that I loved, you know, and, and conscious to shoot straight back into a row of pine trees as opposed to the river. Now, the downside of that is the some of my pictures are just boring, right? Because <laughs> there's not this hmm. magnificent backdrop of snowy, craggy peaks that I could have. But it's like, you know what? Like, I think there's a time and a place for that type of picture that's not going to be, you know, maybe without a big fish, yeah, right? Nice. Just floating the boat or whatnot. Yep. And so those are just things that I think about when I'm when I'm trying to eliminate the IG spot burn. Because I think we all have IG accounts, right? Yep. I mean- most mm-hmm. of us, anyway. That's a good point. If there's a big fish, then make it about the fish. And if there's not a big fish, then maybe you can. Maybe there are times when you can make it about the scenery and the location. Mm. Right on. You know? Yeah. How about this though? Let's say when you get into the YouTube thing, and it's and inevitably the response is, or it's a, or maybe it is an Instagram picture as well. You don't own the river. It's right. everybody's. That's right. Now, how do you guys respond to that? Mm. Well, that's what people tell you when, when they front end you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same response. They say, oh, come yeah. on, bud. You know, hey, you don't own the river. <laughs> I wasn't saying I own the river. It's like what Trevor said earlier. I was just asking for a little bit of respect. You know? Yeah, and if you trash up my town, just because I don't own my town, it doesn't mean I'm not upset about it. You know, there's no, that's not justification <laughs> nice. to drag through the mud something that I love. So back off. So back <laughs> off, guy. <laughs> back off. This is the, I will this say is the message too, to all you YouTubers out there. So back off. We're not saying, you know, I mean, Josh, you and I are putting videos out, right? Wilds Media mm-hmm. and Trout Pit and videos. I'm sure that plenty of people are going to be able to see, oh, they're, he's fishing right there. But mm-hmm. the purpose of our videos is, is has never been and never will be. Look at this huge fish that I caught. And I'm also not going to say, uh, huge trout, biggest trout ever on Laurel Run. I'm not going to do that. You know, right. however, you know, this kind of brings me to, I think I have to acknowledge even just personally that there are fine lines. There are fine lines here. And, oh, I feel hypocritical even, you know, saying like, oh, we shouldn't be spot burning. But here I am. I'm a guide. And so I have the stream names for the rivers that I guide on my website. And I used to have more rivers that I would guide, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so I write about fishing in central PA. You know, is that drawing more attention to it? Yes. And so it's a fine line. And I can't say it's an easy line that I, that I walk. And I, I acknowledge that me, uh, me 10 years ago or even five years ago maybe, looking at me now, I'd say, what are you doing? Hey, hey, be more discreet. Mm. But I try, you know, I try to walk that line. This trout bitten business is my career. Um, and I love what we're doing right now. I love all this stuff. You know, I love everything about it. And part of that is you're going to share stuff. Where do I, where do I draw that line on what I share, what I don't? Mm-hmm. I continue to try to be discreet, but I'm acknowledging that there are plenty of people and maybe even me five years ago that would say like, nah, you drew the line a little too far. When, Dom, I think you're marketing, you know, a technique and a skill, not to speak on behalf of Trout Bitten, but like you're marketing, uh, uh, education and skill and learning how to use a, a, a unique technique where maybe there's a large contingent, maybe not large, but mm. maybe a, a, a contingent out there that's marketing jamming a fish in the picture yeah. with snow yeah. craggy peaks in the background. That's true too. Right. I mean, yeah. 
and so you wonder like man what what's fly fishing become is that what's filling trips uh you know right long arm and an 18 incher <laughs> well i used to post more big fish pictures but i try to be very careful about that now and we're talking about that and i recognize that that's really what draws attention and that's really what makes it more uh, spot burning, really spot burning and worse spot burning. So I'm careful about that. And like you say, Matt, I mean, I think we know what I'm, what trout bitten is trying to be about. It's about this experience and about the learning. And you can have that experience on any river. It doesn't matter where Josh and I shot the last video. You can have that, ex- that same experience on your river. So yeah. I like to think that, you know, we're not drawing too much attention to just one location. Dumb. I remember maybe six or seven years ago now. Yeah. You mentioned you used to post more large Mm -hmm. trout photos. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that can be pretty fun or maybe addicting to to post the next big trout photo. And then you mentioned something to me. You said, well, you really got to watch it because you don't want to attract too much attention. Yeah. And I thought, man, this guy's catching so many big trout. He's got to be careful how many he posts. Oh, that's not true. (laughs) But, 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 well, you know what I mean? The principle remains, though. You have to, maintain or monitor what you're putting out there Mm -hmm. as to not either give a false expectation to some place or somewhere or or somebody, but, um, also protect, you know, your, your own experiences. Nice. Well said. Anything else guys? One of the things that I think is so special about these spots that we've all kind of touched on in different ways is that there's some sort of there's something special about the meritocracy of fly fishing and spots and these things that you, you can't necessarily pay to get. You can't, you know, they're not commoditized. They shouldn't be commoditized. They're not, Mm -hmm. we're a very instant satisfaction gratification culture. And yet there's this deep sense of enjoyment and satisfaction that comes from hard earned time on the water that reveals these spots. And, and it goes against the grain of our, you know, natural kind of, or at least our society in a way that really makes us kind of value them, I think, in a, in a way that's more, it has more depth to it than, than we maybe even can acknowledge or understand. But I think we all are kind of feeling it when we talk about these topics. You just feel this pull at something that's yeah. like, we're all trying to get out into words and externalize and process through. But there's a reason that we all have these visceral kind of reactions when we talk about this and when we think about people that have sort of drug spots that are special to us out into public forums. So I think Mm. that even just that shared sense of this all independently and, you know, many other anglers out there that are going to listen to this are going to feel the same thing. I think that's what rings true about this topic. You know, we don't have to prove it. It's proven by the very fact that everybody listening to this is going to have a natural response and reaction to this, I think. Yeah. And so I think it's just a neat thing to kind of share together. Yeah. It's like, you know, so I got something real quick. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, so what lengths any, has anyone gone to hide one of your spots or throw people off? And, and I'll start the conversation and maybe <laughs> I'm just the only dirty guy around, but <laughs> I've definitely, I've definitely taken a picture of a, uh, wonderful stock trout river in the second week in July back in PA with maybe some orange water in the background. And then on the next shot of Instagram, 
thrown up a hog boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, uh, That's pretty great. <laughs> I used to post pictures of fish in hashtag different states than the one I was actually fishing in. That's nice. nice. Yeah, that's I'd, nice. I've definitely done that. Deception. I like it. Josh, is, I'm still waiting for you to construct a background for my daytime namer. Oh, I know. Yeah, he, yeah, Trevor <laughs> sent a picture to, of, it, it, there's a very, very obvious bridge in the background. Mm. And, and yeah, we, well, he can't post that. Yeah. We'd all be upset if he posted mm-hmm. that picture. So he sent it right. to me and he's been waiting for me to put in a new back, background for him. So has anyone, have you ever gotten any, any slack on social media because of that? Because I have, mm. I, I've actually of what? gotten nasty messages for blurring a background. For blurring it. There, there's a contingent nah. of, oh yeah, for blurring the background. There's people that ha- mm-hmm. are upset that you, you don't have the background there. It's just interesting mm-hmm. though, right? I mean, it's right. just like, I mean, I'm, I don't know, man. Like, I, maybe I shouldn't post. Don't make me feel bad about my fish. <laughs> yeah, <funny>. well, yeah. <laughs> fish posting is like its its own thing. You know what I mean? You probably post more picture, <laughs> fish, fish pictures than it's so it is. It's, yeah, it's its own thing. It has its own weird set of rules and there's communities Based on fish posting, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you do that. But then again, you catch more big fish than the rest of us. So you have mm. more of those show-off fish, I guess, to, to show. I get there's a there's a little circle of people out here that call the, instead of long-arming it, it's groping out the fish. <laughs> <laughs> you have your own terms. That's good. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, well, what, what do you mean I'm groping? Like, I'm not. Do you want me to measure it? Would that make you feel better to know that it's 24 inches? Right. I think one of us here might be so secretive that we've caught more big fish than anybody else, and nobody else is ever going to know about it. And uh, the pictures just will never be shared. That's right. That's right. And that's the smartest angler there is. Exactly. Hey, I have one more question for any or all of you. Do you have any secret spots or secret flies, let's say, that you've never told anybody about? Any any of us? Josh is nodding. Yeah, I do. <laughs> nobody see. I don't, nobody so. even wants to admit it. I'll go first because I have it easy because I live out here yeah. now. You would think yeah. that I might be more open, and Austin could tell you this because he's texted me a few times and in response, where were you fishing? Matt's, Matt's Creek. Creek. Matt's yeah. Creek. There Matt's you go. Creek. And you would think that what what would I be what would I be worried about? Right. You know, three thousand miles away, thirty hour drive away, yeah. letting it go on a little whatever place <laughs> I like to fish. But I keep it. I keep them deep. So I got a handful of spots out here that only blood will know. I like only it. blood <laughs> grobe family blood. <laughs> Mutual like respect. It. That's funny. When I asked that question, nobody wanted to say anything. Josh at least nodded, but I'll be honest too. I have one or two spots that I haven't even fished with my dad. I guess I would, you know, if we were in the area. <laughs> I guess I would. There are some, yeah. <laughs> Not there quite are some sure. spots that it's just been me and my dog, you know. Yeah, I feel like I have those spots, but a lot of you have fished the similar places. But I'm not going to call out the specific place, you know. I may assume yeah. you've been there before, but I'm not going to tell you that's my secret. Yeah, I'm not assuming that any spot that I know you guys don't know about. It's more so, it's, it gets really specific. It's the things like Austin was saying earlier. It's that spot within a spot. It's the prime lie that I think mm. I know about. It's the right. bucket within a hole, you know. I'm a little, right. I mean, within this group, I really, truthfully, would enjoy one of you catching a big fish as much as I would enjoy catching it. And so I'm happy to. I believe mm-hmm. that. 
Yeah, I and I I know he's the only one that I know, <laughs> and so I I do love this group for that reason because I feel like it's a safe group within which I can sort of enjoy that aspect to which otherwise I I mean I just kind of keep it closed within, and I don't I don't know I have some spots that I haven't shared with you guys just because we haven't fished there, but if we ever fished there together, I'd tell you where I caught the fish, and I'd hope you caught them. So when you get asked directly. Mm. About a certain, you know, let's say you you let a picture slide, and someone asks you directly, do you tell them a fake creek? Yes. Or do you do you tell them you caught it on a famous creek? Or what? What's the what's your oh, what's yeah. your go to? I say if somebody's bold enough to ask me, <laughs> I'll be bold enough to just say I'm not telling you that. Yeah, I say that's expensive I mean, I've, information. Yeah, yeah, that's, hey, there I you like go. That. You find whatever way you want to, you know, yeah. say it. But I've looked people right back in the eye if it's, you know, we're one-on-one. And I'll be, no, I'm not telling you that. Like, don't be bold enough to ask me because you're going to get a bold response. Do people ever response. get offended, Dom? Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever get, yeah? Yeah. I've had that situation I, I, at least a dozen times. I'm not telling you that. That's my I response. This, <laughs> I mean, there you go. This past week, I was at a coffee shop working, working on a video. And, uh, and a guy ne- sitting next to me at the coffee mm-hmm. shop saw that I was working on a, f- a fishing video. Yeah, and he was like, "Hey, you fish," and we got to talking, and he showed me some pictures, and that made me, um, well, arrogant. And I showed him some pictures back, and <laughs> nice. he was like, "Well, you have to tell me where those were found." <laughs> I, I can't do that. He said, "No, I don't. I don't have to. Tell <laughs> you. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I really I don't, don't have to tell to. you that. I don't have to do that. I don't know you, man. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guy. Yeah. We're just bragging about how big our fish are. That's not. That's right. <laughs> Come on, guy. Yeah. Yeah." But some people are also bold enough to come. Like I worked in the fly shop throughout school, and mm. there's a number of people who the first thing they couldn't wait to do was come yeah. in the door and show you the picture of the fish they caught, yep. and also tell you exactly where they caught it because they want you to believe that you know they're the coolest fisherman there is, and they want this validation and what they did. And maybe those are the yeah. the people young in the game. You know, I often found that to be true. Yes, that goes right back to what you said first, Matt. Is how long have they been doing it? And it is that experience that eventually teaches you maybe the mistakes that you made. You drew a little too much attention or a lot too much attention uh, to a spot. All right, so there it is. Thanks for a great discussion, guys. That was a good one. So secrets are part of the legacy of fishing. And I think exploring and locating places that are special to each of us is part of what keeps us coming back. We like to think that we've discovered something, that it is uncommon or unknown. And we learn that sharing that information with the wrong people or in the wrong way can easily destroy a secret by making the uncommon common. There are two kinds of secrets, one that's truly tucked away somewhere unknown and one that's right underneath a fisherman's nose. The remote and unknown places, well, there aren't many of those left. And maybe it's just population growth. Maybe it's the rise of a sport that prides itself on discovery. And maybe it's just that fishermen are a friendly bunch that drink too much and like to brag about a good catch now and then. Nothing that's written down in magazines and placed on a list for destination fishing can fairly be called a secret. And yet within these rivers, a deeper realm exists that the traveling angler will never find. A good river requires your friendship before it reveals its best. You get to know it first. So even Blue Ribbon Water has its guarded locations. There are secret spots that lie open in plain view, often walked through or passed for the next deep gut or undercut bank. They're the best kept secrets of a popular river and worth protecting just as much 
as the off-the-grid freestoner that holds a nice population of wild trout and no one else seems to know about. As for spot burning, it's bad because of what it does to other anglers. Every piece of water is someone else's sweetheart spot. So we refrain from naming names and locations out of respect for everyone else, for everybody else who fishes that water. And if you hear yourself saying, it's okay because everybody else knows that river, think again. And that's our take on it. Here, here. Trevor, will you read us out? Yeah. So remember, troutbitten.com is a free resource for all anglers. With over 800 articles, there are stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags, too. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment, because that really helps. Until next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water. We don't know about that stuff.